brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty's Social Impact Pioneers podcast series. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. These interviews with social impact pioneers provide you with insights, different perspectives, advice, and maybe a little inspiration, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision-making and action-taking. This podcast is a 101 in development finance institutions. Today, I am joined by Andrew Palmer, who is the head of global affairs at the UK's Development Finance Institution. We are going to hear how these types of organisations came into being, what they do, and how they create lasting, sustainable impact. Andrew is going to peel back the curtain for us, explaining why the UK's Development Finance Institution is going through a rebrand from CDC to the British International Investment, BII, and what the plans are going forward before sharing with us just how we can get involved, partner and help shape their work too. Prior to joining the UK's Development Finance Institution, Andrew has worked in private business, think tanks and in the UK Houses of Parliament as an advisor on international development. He is a member of the Impact Investing Institute's Public Affairs Panel, the Department of International Trade's Africa Investors Group, and the Commonwealth Enterprise and Investment Council Advisory Council. So without further ado, Andrew, welcome. Thanks, Katie. Great to be here today. It's good to have you, sir. Thank you so much for making the time to to join us today. Now, I know that you guys, obviously, you're, you're part of a development finance institution, which often you hear people talk about DFIs, and, and that's what we're, we're going to delve into today. I was wondering whether you could start our conversation by sharing a bit about what does a, a modern development finance in- institution look like? Great question, uh, Katie. And I think to answer that, I'll take you back to the 1950s when our chairman at the time, Lord Reef, said the role of a development finance institution was to do good without losing money. And I think if we, in today's language, we'd probably call that impact investing. But the principle really holds true across time. And I mean, DFIs come in all different shapes and sizes, but there are some guiding principles underneath that. So firstly, they only invest in the private sector. Secondly, they invest in developing economies. Thirdly, they invest for intentional impact. So making a positive social, environmental, economic impact consciously as part of their investment thesis. They invest for the long term. You often hear this phrase, patient capital. They're not looking at making short-term returns. They are, though, looking to get their money back. And that is because if a business isn't sustainable, then the impact is rarely sustainable. And when that money comes back, that's recycled back into more investments. And then the the final piece of the puzzle is that they are always in some form government owned. If that wasn't a 101 in all things development finance institutions going forward, they go, guys, you've got it in writing or in words. Um, Go forth. That is is pretty much it. Totally and utterly defined. And Andrew, I wanted to pick up, I mean, you're part of the UK's development finance institution. 
which depending on when you listen to this podcast, people might be called CDC. It might have become British International Investments, BII. You will hear more about that in a moment. But I wanted to ask you, Andrew, to share a little bit about what that means in terms of your day-to-day role or you as an organisation. So what does, what does British or UK's version of DFIs look like? It's a really exciting time to be at British International Investment, So, which is the UK's development finance institution, as you say, Katie. We're a 70-year-old institution, uh, actually the first development finance institution in the world of which uh, many of the others have been based on. And over that time, have been doing some re- had some really interesting transformational impact. So back in 1948, one of our first investments was into East Africa Industries, which later in, in East Africa, we'll, you'll know it as Unilever. In Kenya, we helped pioneer the tea industry with investments there, had a dramatic impact on the livelihoods of smallholder farmers across the country. And in the 90s, CDC was an early investor in the mobile phone industry across Africa. At the time, a relatively luxury item, but it has been transformational in terms of the the role that the mobile phone has played on development over the last uh, decade and transforming people's lives. Now we're at the next stage of the journey and we have been going, I joined CDC back in 2016 and that was just in the middle of a growth period that we've been going under, undertaking become much smaller than the other European counterparts. And uh, so back in 2012, we're investing about $300 million a year. Today and going forward over the next five years, as British international investment, we're looking to invest between $1.5 to $2 billion a year. And the drivers behind that is, is the real need for capital in our markets where we, where we invest. So just to give you a flavor, you know, the economy of Kenya It's like one of Africa's powerhouses. It's roughly the same size as Glasgow's, but the population is about 50 times greater. Foreign direct investment in Pakistan is over 80 times smaller per capita compared to the UK. There is just a huge demand for capital, a huge need for capital. And that's the role of the development finance institution to get that capital there and what British international investment is focused focused on doing over the next five years. Now, we are sitting here recording this at the beginning of March 2022. We thought 2021 was pretty rubbish. And I wanted to talk to you about what you guys did through COVID-19. Clearly mindful that you might be listening to this thinking, actually, we've got global conflict going on, climate change coming down the pike very fast, if not, it's already here. I I was wondering whether you could share with us a bit about what does... CDC or BII do in, in response to shocks? And how do you help in, in those sorts of environments? Yeah, I mean, so my role at, at British International Investment, so I head under Director of Global Affairs. And so that, that involves a lot of time thinking and studying what's going on in the outside world, engaging with people, um, our shareholder in particular, the, the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, and, and ha- working out how that applies to CDC. In terms of COVID-19, the way we approach the, the, the impact of the pandemic uh, is thinking about what could we do as, a, as an investment institution. And that broadly broke down into, into three key areas. Firstly, preserve. So, I mean, we have a portfolio of investments within that 
there are close to a thousand businesses. Those businesses support over 900,000 direct jobs. So what could we do to ensure, to protect as many as those jobs as possible, ensure those companies kept going, uh, kept afloat, and how could we, how could we provide that support in, a, in an effective way? So that was a big focus of the organization. And secondly, thinking in the medium term, what could we do to strengthen the response and both strengthen the response to the economic crisis, but also play a small role in the, in the response to the healthcare crisis as well. And I mean, you'll remember, Katie, back then, what, you know, Western governments and in the, in the UK and the, the Bank of England were injecting huge amounts of capital into the markets to keep, keep businesses afloat, keep, keep the markets going. If you're in Sierra Leone or Mozambique or Bangladesh, that's just not an option as if you're the government or the central bank. And so DFIs ourselves, but also our European and Western partners really stepped up to provide liquidity into the market with our trade and fi- trade finance provision to kind of keep goods flowing across borders to keep business going. And that was a key role that we played. But we also, also can make targeted investments in healthcare. And we have a great, fantastic investee, they're called MedAccess, um, who are incubated uh, in CDC. And they provide volume guarantees to for healthcare products. So for things like HIV viral viral testing kits, but also they're in COVID. They were thinking, well, what can we do to help help in this scenario? And they did a partnership with UNICEF and the Covax program, and managed to guarantee the supply um, of, of medical equipment, and particularly provided over a billion syringes for the COVAX program to help get those as much needed injections into as many arms as possible over the, across the developing world. And then the final area to preserve, strengthen, and then rebuild. So what could we do in order to build our pipeline to create more confidence of investing in these markets? Because when crises happen, investors take risk off and bring capital home. So in our role as a development finance institution to encourage more investment into, into the markets where we operate and rebuild the economies of which the impact of COVID is still being felt. And that's something that really our next five-year strategy is very much focused on and focused on achieving. Well, you guys have been busy. Um, we're going to come on to your five-year strategy in just a minute. But before we do that, I just wondered whether we could slightly rewind a little bit because you talked or we mentioned earlier that you're having a bit of a rebrand. The Foreign Secretary announced this at the end of 2021. You're going from CDC and you're moving towards BII. And I was wondering whether you could share a bit about what this means to you guys as an organisation and then tell us why you're doing it. Yeah, we're really excited to become British International Investment on the 4th of April. There are a number of reasons around the rebrand, which we've been working on for the past couple of years. But the desire to evolve our name, really to better recognize ourselves as a British institution, but also to reflect the broadening of our geographic scope and our mandate. So in terms of the increasing role that we're playing in the climate investment space, as well as the development investment space. And also, we've just been talking about COVID-19. I mean, that brought up some challenges in terms of our own brand, a confusion with the Center for Disease Control and the Africa CDC and others. So it's a really exciting time. And we're really looking forward to becoming British International Investment on the 4th of April. 
Exciting, exciting. And you mentioned earlier, I am going to pick up on that five-year strategy now. You talked about it just a little bit a, a while ago. What is it? What should we be looking out for? What are you going to be doing? What should we hear from? Yeah, so we work on a five-year strategy cycle. The parameters of that are agreed with our shareholders, so the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office. And then we go and implement that strategy over the next five years. The core objectives of the strategy are productive, sustainable, and inclusive investment. So what does that mean? Productive investments, so things that contribute to the economic growth and speed up the economic growth of those countries and markets, and particularly focusing in on the opportunity of digital investment. So more investments like Liquid Telecom, who are an investee, a pan-African telecoms provider, where we've been working with them to support the build out of a fiber optic network from Cape Town to Cairo and from Kinshasa to Mombasa. Uh, with our capital very much focused on that tricky DRC leg. And as we know, the, the digital transformation and the need for modern communications is really, really critical for, for, for a modern economy. Secondly, sustainable. So we're a really large investor in the renewable energy space. So, and across the spectrum, this is everything from large scale industrial solar provision, such as we're invested in Memban Solar Park in Egypt, which is so large, it's Africa's largest solar park. You can actually see it from space, but right down to off-grid home solar systems as well, which are a small solar panel that you put on the roof of your kiosk or, or home and that provide power for, for a light and a telly and to charge your mobile phone. And that's for supporting nearly 38 million people across Africa who will never uh, in the short term, have access to the grid. So more more investment in in climate finance in, in and more sustainable investments. And the final area is around inclusive investment. So what do we mean by this? Over the last few years, we've been at the forefront with our partner DFIs in increasing the amount of investment going to women-led and women-owned businesses. And that's resulted in something called the 2X Challenge which has mobilized over $6 billion of investments. And you're going to be seeing more of that over the next five years. Oh, wow. You guys are going to be super busy. Um, for anybody listening, we have done some work with or on the 2X Challenge. I will put the links into the words that sit alongside the podcast so you guys can go and have a look at that. Andrew, I was just wondering, clearly there's loads of opportunities here, loads of activities that you guys are doing. If anybody is listening to this podcast, and thinks, oh, I want to be part of this. How do you collaborate with you guys? How do we do you partner? Like, what do you do um, if somebody's listening to this and, and wants to be involved? Yeah, absolutely. So the good news is, as part of the the rebrand, there will be a new how to partner with us uh, on our website. So we'll share the link there with all your listeners. I guess if you are if you're looking for investment, if you are a business operating in Africa, South Asia, Caribbean. Or if you're a bank or fund that's raising capital, please do get in touch. They will find the investment criteria that we have, and then we can pick up that conversation. But actually, if you're part of wider civil society, there's also different ways to get in touch. We have an insights series where we share, share the latest thoughts and insights that we're seeing from a development finance perspective. We also run a dialogue series where we, with civil society, uh, where we discuss some of the challenges, the big 
global development challenges and how we can play a role within that. And hopefully uh, we will see uh, some of you around the Business Fights Poverty uh, uh, discussion tables as well, where we, we often play an active role. Cool. Yes, always want to carry on hanging out with you guys. And so just to bring our conversation to a close today, what would be your one call to action, one key takeaway for anybody listening uh, that you'd like to leave with us today? So call for it's got to be the need for investment and impact investment across the markets, across Africa, Asia and, and the Caribbean. The global development challenges are huge. The impact of COVID has not really played out fully in the markets where CDC invests. And we're only going to have more challenges ahead as we see the impacts, sadly, of the crisis in, in Eastern Europe and Ukraine playing out over the global markets over the, over the next months and, and years ahead. So time to invest, time to support. And, and in, in a crisis, investors tend to take risk off. It's DFI's role to partner with you and to make sure that we support those developing economies and be a, a long-term partner to those countries. Well, Andrew, on that, uh, yeah, rounding off that important conversation with uh, sort of, you know, reminding us all why you're there and, and how to be involved. Thank you so much for your time and your insights today. Thank you, Katie. It's been great. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.